We'll turn 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show thyself approved. That's what we're doing tonight, studying the Word of God. Uh, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. A workman. He talks about being a workman. That's because you have to work the Word of God. You have to work with it. You have to cooperate with it. You have to act on it. You have to submit to it. It's a working. It's not just something where you just passively listen to, is it? So we're workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we've been finding out that you have to divide the word. You have to divide it according to 1 Corinthians 10.32, which talks about there's three people groups that God speaks to in his word. There's the Jews and there's the church and there's what the Bible calls the Gentiles or the nations and it literally means the unsaved parts of his Bible that talks to just the Jews and parts of his Bible that talks to the unchurched and parts of his Bible that talks to us the church and especially Romans through Revelation, all of that is specifically for us, the church. And so we need to focus ourselves in the epistles, in Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and we could go through all of them, but we won't tonight. Amen. But turn to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And we found out that there's another way we need to divide the word. And if you don't divide the word, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we don't divide the word according to the three parts that we are, spirit, soul and body then we're going to get confused in the word of God especially I think first John and I'll tell you since I learned about spirit soul and body learned about the new man a lot of things in the word came to light to me that were confusing to me first John is a book that's if you don't understand spirit soul and body it's going to be a little hard when you understand spirit soul and body and you divide that way you get first John and also Romans that's a book because parts of Romans like for instance Romans chapter 7 is talking about the flesh. The flesh is soul and body. It's not just your skin. It's not just talking about the meat on your bones, but it's talking about your soul and your body. And so Romans chapter 7 is about the flesh, and Romans chapter 8 is all about the spirit. In Romans chapter 7, the word spirit's only used one time. In Romans chapter 8, the word spirit's used one time, and it's not even talking about the spirit of man. It's talking about like having school spirit, having a, an attitude of the mind. You know, school spirit is an attitude of the mind. And then in Romans chapter 8, the word spirit's used 21 times, talking about the spirit of a man. And if you don't understand that you are just like bogged down in Romans if you don't have clear understanding and another thing if you don't have clear understanding about spirit soul and body is you're going to get in the Old Testament and get yourself so messed up you heard a man say in Jeremiah you know it says that that the heart's wicked you know, it talks about having a wicked heart. And I've heard preachers preach that all of us really and truly have a wicked heart. And you know, that is simply not true. That is the old covenant man. That's the Old Testament man. We do not have a wicked heart. 
Amen. But you can get so messed up in those scriptures. And a lot of the church is messed up because they treat the Old Testament just like it's all one thing. It's all one book. But there is a reason that there is a division. There is a reason that it says Old Covenant or Old Testament. Testament means covenant. New Testament. New Covenant. And how many of you know, we're under the new covenant. We are not under the old covenant. Now, we can read back and we can get inspiration and we can get faith principles and we can see the Old Testament heroes of faith and praise God. They were powerful and we love them. But hallelujah, we're not like them. They wanted to be like we are. We were talking about spirit, soul, and body. And so we'll just put up here, spirit, soul, and body. This is the born-again man, and he is three parts. This is his spirit, and it is full of the life of God. Eternal Zoe. Hallelujah. Caution said, ye are complete in him. Now, he certainly isn't talking about your flesh, is he? He couldn't be talking about your flesh. I can tell by looking, and you can tell by looking at me, that I ain't complete yet in my flesh. Can't you tell? I mean, don't say yes. Hallelujah. But in him, in my spirit, I'm complete in him. Nothing lacking. Nothing missing. And I don't have a wounded spirit or a broken. I don't have a broken spirit either. There's nothing broke about this man or wounded. He is complete in Christ. Amen. And then we have our soul and then we have our body. Hallelujah. And so the spirit is the in the Bible sometimes called the inner man, the new man, the hidden man of the heart. Turn over to Romans chapter 7 verse 22. Look at Romans 7:22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Your spirit man, if you're born again, loves the word of God loves to come to church, doesn't want to miss church, loves to be fed the Word, loves to sit around and fellowship about the Word of God. Hallelujah. Your spirit man's right. It's right with God. The soul of man, the soul realm, is your mind, comprised of your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your intellect, your conscience, And look at Romans 7, verse 18. He says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, which would be my soul and my body, dwelleth no good thing. We can't get puffed up according to our soul and our body, can we? Because in it dwelleth no good thing. That's what Paul said. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Well, praise God, God's not dealing with us according to our flesh. God's not looking at us according to our flesh. We're not going to heaven or hell depending on our flesh. We're going depending on our spirit man, on the inner man. And then our body is called the earthly tabernacle in the Word of God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. That's one thing it's called, is earthly tabernacle. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved... We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies, or in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. We know that if this body just dissolves right now, just melts and runs in the floor, 
It's just made out of some minerals. If it gets in a fire, like if they cremate you, I hate to say that because I don't really believe in that. I think the graves are going to open, so that's what we need to be put in is a grave. Hallelujah. That comes from Egyptian practices and stuff, which is heathen, that cremation stuff. If this body melts, I have a different body waiting for me. And that's why he said, we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house. See, we are longing to have our resurrected bodies. If you just say, well, I don't really care. Well, just wait till you get the flu and you'll be longing. If you had a symptom, you'd be saying, oh, I want my resurrected body that I don't have to put up with this stuff. And then if so be, and you don't have to put up with it now, but I don't have time to teach faith in this too, so y'all understand, okay? If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And he's talking all about the mortal body that we have now and the immortal body, the resurrected body that we're going to get. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1. So we long for that. I know as a little Baptist girl, I was afraid of the rapture and afraid of the second coming, and I was just petrified of all that stuff. But, you know, now I know it's better over there. I got my mind renewed. This life is nothing compared to the goodness of that life. And we should not be, um, you know, we shouldn't even be very distressed if one of our kinfolks goes on. Because I'm telling you what, you're the one suffering, not them. They're not suffering. They're happy. They have no problems. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. So he's talking about there how he's fixing to die or be gone from this earth. And he is talking about he's going to put off this tabernacle. So our bodies are called a tabernacle. And another thing they're called is a vessel. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 4.4. 4. Hallelujah. We have a vessel here. It's just like a jar or a bottle. You know, it's just a vessel. It's just holding something. Hallelujah. You know, you don't get as excited over the pitcher as you do over the water or the iced tea, the sweet tea that's in the pitcher, do you? And so we aren't to be so concerned about this vessel as we are what's on the inside. We ought to take better care of the inside than we take of the outside. But a lot of people spend hours and hours and hours on the outside, not doing hardly anything every day to the inside. But the outside's not nearly as important as what's on the inside. Amen. Amen. I think we ought to spend a little time just so we don't hurt anybody. But, you know, I know I've got a stepsister and it's like four hours to get ready. I mean, I'm not judging her or anything. I don't really even know her that well, to tell you the truth. But this is just her reputation, that it takes four hours for her to get beautiful. It seems to me that if you spent four hours on the outside, you might not have any time to spend on the inside. 1 Thessalonians 4.4 4, That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So we're to work with our vessel, and we're to possess it, and keep it sanctified, keep it holy, Amen. Keep it honorable. Amen. Because sin, God is dealing with us according to this man. Sin does have a cost in the soul and the flesh. Amen. 
It definitely has a cost. When you were born again, you got redeemed from the wages of sin is death, eternal death, eternal damnation. But you still have the wages of sin is physical death, physical death to your physical body and to the torment of the soul. And so there is a price for sin. Amen? And we don't need to forget that. But on the other hand, God doesn't want us walking around focused on sin all the time. If we will focus on this man, we will just automatically do better. Sin less. you got to stay in the victory side. We sing a song, stay on the victory side. That means stay right here, honey. Stay right here. Don't be concentrating on this. Don't be so messed up about the soul. But stay on the victory side. Stay in the spirit. Our body is called a vessel. 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, speaking of wives, according to knowledge. That means you need to learn some things about a woman. Don't be dumb about it, husbands and men. You can learn about a woman. You can learn to understand them. I know y'all think, no, that's not possible, but it is possible. You can dwell according to knowledge. God said you could. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, it didn't say she was weaker spiritually, and it didn't say she had a weaker mind, did it? What did it say? Her vessel is weaker. Her body is weaker than a man's. I was hearing something about the military the other day and women in the military and they said, I think this is what they said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they said that a woman has less than half the upper body strength of a man. Less than half the upper body strength. She is a weaker vessel. Her vessel is weaker. And so we need to treat her tenderly, men. As men, you control your strength. You have a lot of strength and you have to put it under control, put it under subjection. Hallelujah. And you teach your young boys to keep their strength under control and keep their strength under control because you know that body strength mixed with testosterone is bad. They just go out on the football field and see if they can kill each other and they're just you know, just packed with body strength and, and a whole bunch of testosterone. And I'm telling you, that stuff can kill a woman because she has a weaker vessel. And so we teach our young men, our boys, we don't let them play with their sisters like they play with their brothers. And we need to start teaching them that young. And if we teach them to respect their mother and to respect their sisters, then when they get married, they respect their wife. Hallelujah. And I tell you something that bothers me worse than anything is when I hear of a young teenage boy or something hitting his mother. It's like his daddy ought to dig a hole and say, you do that again and you'll be laying in it. That bothers me as bad as anything. So it's also called your earth suit. In the house, it is your house. It's the house of your spirit. Some people call it a tent. It's your earthly tent. And a house of which is what the tabernacle in the wilderness was, was a tent. So it is a house of your spirit and your soul. Now, your spirit has been recreated. It's been refathered from above. When you were lost, you looked like this. Your spirit man was dark, dead and dark, alienated from God. And you were born again and uh, you were refathered from above. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, he's talking about the spirit man there. We know that when you got born again, that all things didn't become new. If you were black-headed, you're still black-headed. If he was talking about the body, then you would have had to get a new hair. You'd have had to get new eyes. But he's not talking about the body, is he? And you know, you didn't probably even get a different personality. Now, your personality may improve because of being born again. But you know, if you were a cut-up and you know a jokester before, you're probably still a sanctified uh, jokester, cutting up and cracking jokes and hallelujah, like to laugh and everything. If you were serious before that in your soul, if you were a very serious person, you're probably still very serious. Now you may have a joy you didn't have before, but you still probably are pretty serious about everything. And so it's not talking about our body, it's not talking about our soul becoming a new creature, it's your spirit man that became a new creature. In Romans chapter 6, 6, you can just look at scripture after scripture and apply spirit, soul, and body to it and get so much more out of it. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So the old man this is the old man, has been crucified. When you get born again, God crucifies him. He crucifies your old man that the body of sin, this is the body of sin. It's not talking about your physical body. It's talking about this sin nature, this body of sin might be destroyed. God destroyed the old man. So sometimes you've heard Christians say, like the Christians when they mess up, they'll say, oh, that was the old man. Or maybe they said a cuss word or something, they'd say, oh, that was the old man. No, that wasn't the old man. Because the old man's been crucified. The old man's been destroyed. You can't find him. You can't dig him up. And you can't have him back. And that's why you can't lose your salvation. Because God crucified him. God just said he destroyed him. So he can't give him back to you if he's destroyed. And in Ephesians, we read this before, when you got saved, you got a seal put on your spirit. You got a seal put on your spirit, and you've been sealed, and your spirit's sealed. And you got it better than Adam, because Adam wasn't sealed. Adam was not sealed, and that's how he could fall, because he wasn't sealed. Amen? Now, we'll talk about that one night. I'll get to it, about the very one way that you can lose your salvation, choose to lose it, Choose to deny it and walk away from it. When you ever lose it, you'll never get it back. But it takes a bunch to lose it. Ephesians 4.22 That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now he's not talking about putting off the old man in our spirit because that's been dealt with. But in our mind, here's a man who is born again but he doesn't have a renewed mind yet. He's not got the life of God out in his body yet because it takes a renewed mind to get the life of God out in your body where you're walking in divine health and divine life. Amen? And so he says, okay, now you need to put off the old man when it comes to the soul and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have a different mind. And that's up to you, isn't it? Because he said you need to put it off. Put off the old man because your soul is still going to want to act like the old man. Why? Because it's been trained to. It's been trained to. 
You were trained. You know, if you got saved when you was eight years old, you might not have got a lot of training in old man activity. But if you got saved when you was 35, you got 35 years of the old man trained to act like the world, trained to act, and he's used to acting that way. In other words, when he hits his finger with the hammer, he's used to saying a curse word. He's used to it. And you have to put that off. Because you don't have a sin nature anymore. You don't have to sin. The man with a sin nature, he's going to sin. In other words, you can't get good things out of this man. He can't do anything good. If he does do something good, he don't have the right motive. His motive is always selfish. Self. Why? His father's the devil. He can't help but lie. And the only way he doesn't is if there's just some fear of uh, mama's going to beat thunder out of him. And, you know, sometimes people are taught morals. You can teach morals. And so sometimes these people are taught morals. And they'll be a certain amount moral, a certain amount. But this man, he doesn't have to sin. But he needs to put off the things in the soul. So you have a choice. You can put it off. We can break every habit. Why? Because we don't have a sin nature. We don't have to curse anymore. I had to learn not to curse. Because I wasn't raised with bad, bad words like they use now. But I was raised with colorful language. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It was not uncommon to hear something kind of colorful. It wasn't like the the horrible words you hear in movies now. And it wasn't the Lord's name in vain. We had a respect for God in our house. It was the unrenewed mind in the soul. Because I lived in a family that they didn't have their minds renewed. And so I had to learn not to slam cabinet doors. I put that off. Because, see, my soul was used to, when it got mad, and, you know, my husband said something to me and I was cooking, whoom, and I have tore one off the hinge just slamming it. And I'm not even a strong person, but just getting angry. Why? And I'm not proud of that. But I share it with you just to show you. I, in fact, I hated it. And after I got filled with the Spirit and began to have a renewed mind, oh, man, if my soul acted like the old man, I was grieved. I cried and repent and and asked God to deliver me from that. And, you know, I began to work that stuff out of my soul where that's not the way I had to react. But, you know, there's times my soul wants to do something carnal. I mean, like, get mad. Tell somebody what they think. You know, get mad at... People in traffic, your soul ever act up? Amen. Get mad at slow waiters and slow waitresses and incompetent folks, you know. Well, that's just our flesh. But one thing we need to remember, too, is not to get under condemnation when we have those things because that's just your flesh. That's not the real you. Amen. And even though we need to get it under control, we don't need to walk under condemnation either. Hallelujah. That's just your flesh. And we need to be merciful to each other too. I know there's been times when people have said ugly things to us. And my husband and I have said to each other, we've said, that's just their head talking. They don't mean that. And you need to recognize that, not take it so personal. Because their head's just talking. Because they're upset. You know, somebody get upset and their head will talk. Somebody get fearful, you know. And their head will just start and say all sorts of bad things. Blaming other people. Blaming you because somebody got sick or somebody had an accident. Because their head just goes wild. Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying. Colossians 3.9. Turn over a couple of books. 
lie, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So it'd be possible, wouldn't it, for uh, the saved man to actually lie. He said to lie not, because you put it off. Amen? Don't lie. It'd be possible. I know there's lots of Christians that lie. Lie to the government. Lie to their bosses. Lie, lie, lie. Well, we'll put that off. Amen. And I'll tell you something. When are we going to learn that truth always wins? Truth's always better. Amen. The soul realm. I'm going to talk about the soul realm. Acts 4.32. Acts 4.32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And so he talking about in the early church, in the book of Acts, how they all got their souls in agreement. Amen. He said they were of one soul. Now that's an awesome place to be. Actually, that is a supernatural unity. They are of one heart and they're of one soul also. Romans 12, 2. The pastor's just about... I, been accusing him of preaching my spirit, soul, and body on Sunday morning and preaching on the renewed mind and so forth. So I won't tarry here. Hallelujah. But he's the pastor. He can do what he wants to. Amen. I've been teasing him about it, though. And he says in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know this is talking about the soul. The soul has to be renewed. Hallelujah. Because if it's just left to itself, you know, you may be born again, but nobody's going to be able to tell it. Hallelujah. If you don't renew your mind, you know, you may act just like the world. And if you don't renew your mind concerning healing, you'll feel just like the world does. You'll be just as sick as they are. You know what? We got a higher divorce rate in the church than we do in the world now. That must be an unrenewed mind. That's all it can be, is that we got a church, we got the body of Christ with unrenewed minds. Amen? When the husband and wife both got a renewed mind, we don't need a divorce. Hallelujah. We can work anything out. When we're both submitted to God, hallelujah, when we both want to please God, guess what? It'll just naturally be heaven on earth in the house. We'll please each other because we're both wanting to please God. And you know, no condemnation. If you've been divorced, you just didn't have a renewed mind and maybe your husband or wife didn't either. You've got to renew your mind or you're going to look like the world. You're going to act like the world. Your finances are going to look like the world's. Hallelujah. The unrenewed mind is, uh, is going to be working against you. So we've got to do everything we can to continually be renewing our mind. And you, something you've got to remember is God's not stagnant. And so, you know, you can get pretty far along, but He's moving all the time and more revelations unfolding. And so you've got to go keep going to keep up. I saw a sign on a church recently. I don't even remember where we were when we saw it, but it said we're 120 years old, same message. And I'm like, dear God in heaven. <laughs> that, I think that was here in this town. Did y'all see it? It was like, we're not even preaching the same message we did 20 years ago. Now, basic same, virgin birth, etc. But we didn't know anything about in Christ and, and anything 20-something years ago. Nothing. that, And so 
Lord, don't go to that church. When you see that sign, they were celebrating their anniversary or something and they're preaching the same message. Hallelujah. Way behind what God's doing in the earth. And like Brother Hagin said, they wouldn't know God if he walked down the street with a red hat on. If you're that far behind, got to understand God's progressive. Revelation's progressive. God's moving. Light's getting brighter. Y'all believe that, don't you? Hallelujah. So we'll never arrive. We'll be renewing our mind. And even when we get to heaven, we'll be getting it finished off. Seven years of purging. Rebecca Springer, that wrote that Intramuros book about her trip to heaven. They just kept getting in the water of life, keep getting in the river of life and washing junk off from the earth life. Washing the junk off from the earth life. Hebrews 4.12. Hallelujah. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now the only thing you can use to divide your soul and your spirit is the Word of God. That's all that will do it. Nothing else will divide the soul and spirit. But the Word of God will divide asunder between soul and spirit. If you don't divide this, you're going to have a lot of condemnation. Christians that are walking in condemnation... If they're not dividing between soul and spirit, they're walking under a bunch of condemnation. Because when their soul acts up, they're condemned. They've lost their salvation. They feel unworthy. They feel just lower than low. They go through the cycles of they're in revival. Now they're, they're backslid. They're in revival. Now they're backslid. They're in church. Now they're out of church. All but why? They're not dividing between soul and spirit. They haven't studied to show themselves approved and found out that when they mess up in their soul, no problem. No problem. You said a cuss word today? No problem. You did something worse than that? No problem. Just repent. And it'll cleanse it out of your soul. Your spirit sealed. It never affected your spirit. You're still right before God. You're pleasing to God. He's not worried about it, but you need it cleansed from your soul. You know, it's bothering your mind. Your conscience is bothering you. So repent. 1 John 1, 9. My grandmother used to say, use God's bar soap. 1 John 1, 9. Hallelujah. Just wash in the water of life. Amen. He'll forgive you. He says he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But God's not worried. So you've got to divide. But only the word of God can show you that there's a division there. That wasn't your spirit sinning. That wasn't the real you. That was your soul just acted like it's used to acting. Acted like it saw somebody on TV act. Get mad, use your fist. Isn't that what they do on TV and on the movies? Get mad, you run your car through the building. Hallelujah. You know, if you see somebody habitually sinning, enjoying sin, they may say they're a Christian, but it's not likely. Because a Christian that is sinning is miserable. Miserable. Not enjoying it. May be in a trap. May be addicted, but hates it. Look at Romans 6.19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. So we have hope as an anchor for the soul. To keep our soul steady, we have to have hope. Hope will keep your soul anchored and keep it steady. Hebrews 10, verse 38. I know that it's a teaching, and so it's not like you're hearing fiery preaching up here and so forth. But this stuff 
will help you to get the prosperity. You know, I could get up here and preach prosperity and y'all would be a lot more excited than you are here in spirit, soul, and body. But if you can't divide between soul and spirit, you'll never get to the prosperity. And so Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul. God says my soul, so God has a soul. In other words, he has emotions. He has a will. Hallelujah. And we have the mind of Christ because he has a mind and shall have no pleasure in him. James 5, 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth. Now he's talking to brethren, so they're saved. And he said, if you're saved, but you err from the truth. And somebody else comes along and converts him. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner. He's not talking about a sinner like the old sin nature sinner. He's just talking about someone who commits sin. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul, not your spirit. He called you a brother. You're a brother and you're already saved. And he said he's going to save your soul and hide a multitude of sins. When you've got off into sin... And you're born again, but you've got into sin, but somebody comes along and says, quit doing that. Don't do that. Then it saves your soul from a multitude of torment, a multitude of problems. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Get somebody back on track is an awesome thing. So don't be afraid to speak out and say, don't do that. Sometimes in the church, not in this church, but people are in adultery and we hear about it and we just kind of want to keep it hush, hush. And we shouldn't gossip about it. But I tell you what, we ought to be bold as our brothers and sisters in Christ to go to people and say, quit doing that. Get out of that. And we see somebody going the wrong way, we ought to be saying, no, don't go that way. I want to say Save you from a multitude of soul problems. Sometimes people won't listen, but sometimes they will. Hallelujah. And besides, it's right to go whether they listen or not. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. It's not enough just to come to church and hear the word taught. You got to obey this stuff. And that purifies your soul through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. So the Spirit of God, the Spirit teaches us and we act on the truth and it purifies our soul. And our soul's just getting brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. We're having more joy in our soul, more happiness. We got joy in our heart. We got joy in our spirit. But hallelujah, got to get it out into the soul realm. And a lot of Christians need to get their soul renewed, get some soul. And we We all need more. We all need more. You know, there's always something God's going to be dealing with you about. Always. You're not ever going to get away from the Holy Ghost saying, Come up higher. Come up higher. Let's go higher. I could say tonight, How many of you want to go higher financially? We all do. But folks, you don't go higher financially without going higher spiritually. There's a cost to this. It's like, okay, you want to go higher financially? Okay, we're going to talk about walking in love. We're going to talk about being honest in all things. We're going to talk about not lying. We're going to talk about not cheating, trying to get ahead. And see, God's going to say, no, you're going to have to lay that stuff aside. And you're going to have to come up higher. And then when you come up higher, you get higher things. But see, a lot of the church will get in agreement with you about coming up higher, but then you come and preach something about change, and it's like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't going to change. 
we got to let God clean our soul. This is a faith church. We believe in faith confessions. But you can't just take a good faith confession. Praise God I'm rich. And put it over a bunch of crud in your life and it work. And a lot of times as people come in, they, they want to make a great faith confession. But there is a mountain of crud that needs to be dug out. And we've all spent a lot of years digging. <laughs> Hallelujah. People say, oh, that faith stuff, it's not working. If it's not working for you, get to digging. We're all seeking God, aren't we? Second Peter 2.8 For the righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the unlawful deeds. This is talking about Lot and how him living in Sodom and how it vexed his soul, his righteous soul. Well, he was righteous in his soul, but he wasn't righteous in his spirit. But I'll tell you, filthy stuff vexes us. If you can watch filthy stuff and it doesn't vex you, then you've let your soul get used to it. I'm not saying you're not saved. You're saved. You've gotten yourself hardened and numbed. It's real easy to get hardened and numbed. Because just think about it. You know, 120 years ago, if you saw a lady's ankle, it was like, oh my God. I've been watching a Civil War movie and I'm just amazed that you couldn't see their ankles but they wore dresses that showed plenty other stuff, you know. It's like, they have, and it's like, um, hallelujah. But do y'all think we've become hardened where we don't mind seeing ankles anymore? But I'm just saying, don't you think we've changed our standard? And then, you know, it was, well, okay, we can see a little leg. And then I know in the 1960s, pew! Boy, you could tell it was something changed and we had the mini skirt and hot pants. I know because I was right in the middle of it. We grew up in the 60s and 70s. All of a sudden, we're hardened. We don't think nothing about it. Before that, it would have been like, <gasps> remember what they used to swim in? How'd they not just sink to the bottom in all the stuff that women wore to swim in? And then in the 60s, we got the yellow polka dot bikini. And it's like nobody thinks, why? We're just numb to it. I'm not coming against any of that, but all I'm saying is you can get so hardened until nothing bothers you. Don't bother me. And we can get to where, boy, we can just watch and listen to anything. Well, we don't need to let our soul, you know, because we get hardened our soul. God can't talk to us. We're not going to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. So we got to keep our souls sanctified and pure and, and keep that stuff washed off. Amen. Keep our eyes turned away. The men are supposed to turn their eyes. And women too, I might add. If we see something, we're supposed to turn away. Not just see, well, let's see if we can get some binoculars out. Let's see if we can get a little closer. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And it'll protect us if we'll do that. Turn away. Turn it off when they start talking bad. Our grandparents, if they saw on TV what's just on a normal, just a little sitcom or something I know my great-grandmother she would just turn over in her grave if she knew about it and God's just protected her up there she don't know she just couldn't have took it she thought it was sin for man to go to the moon she just thought we were just awful because they had sent a man to the moon that was God's business and we needed to leave it alone bless God hallelujah <laughs> it wasn't progressive if Jesus tarries 20 years from now I don't think there's much left to show but Hallelujah, I'm sure we'll be shocked about some stuff, but let's don't get hardened to that.